Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike says she is struggling with her place in the motorcycle community. Well, she says she hasn't peaked yet, but she's having a little epiphany. Okay. Oh, that maybe life itself is the peak. Hmm, interesting. In my experience, I found that... Oh, so I just translate. Not allowed to have opinions. Got it. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. For our first question, Mr. J.D. Rice asks if Christopher Lloyd will be playing Joris Sabayoth in The Mandalorian. Nice pronunciation. You didn't even ask. I really wanted to say Kabouth. I think that's how I used to say it, like when I was first reading the book in fifth grade or so. Like Kabouth. <laughs> but uh, that's what uh, Timothy Zahn put in like the 20th anniversary. He was like, I get a lot of questions about how to pronounce this. And it was like the annotated copy of the book. But... I already went off track. Just great job. <laughs> Thank you. I try. Uh, also, I wanted to choose this question first just to make the thumbnail of uh, Christopher Lloyd on Joris's head mm-hmm. or a body with the abs and the force lightning and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm having a good time already. Yeah. But the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way, right? I mean, I'll, I'll give it like a 1% chance. I mean, I don't really know the, the, much about this character, so I'll say maybe, <laughs> just for fun. Yeah, I I think that Sabayoth coming into the Mandalorian Season 3, unless, like, Luke continues to really be pulled into this story, I have a feeling Christopher Lloyd is probably going to be playing someone in Din's direct path. Like, if he's going to these mines of Mandalore, I always want to say mines of Moria. If he's going to the mines of Mandalore or whatever, I think that he's going to meet Christopher Lloyd on the way. Yeah. I I don't know if... Because I... Would, would that character be, like, humorous at all? Because I want him to be kind of kooky and silly, like, you know... A lot of his other roles. But... I think that's what we're going to get. I do too. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're really casting. I, I think they're kind of typecasting with all of their character actors. I mean, it is not a stretch at all uh, for Timothy Oliphant to be playing another lawman <laughs> in, in the in the wild, wild west, basically. Yeah. Because uh, he did it in Justified. He did it in Deadwood. So it, it kind of seems like they're being playful with like, yeah, let's just get Timothy Oliphant to do it. Mm-hmm. So I agree. I think... Uh, Christopher Lloyd is probably going to be playing kind of an unhinged, uh, kooky character. Sabayoth is definitely mentally not all there. He's, but he's more, uh, scary about it. Well, explain who that is. Yeah. So Sabayoth is from the Thrawn trilogy, which, yeah, it does seem like we're pulling in elements of the Thrawn trilogy into this Mandalorian set of series. Um, He's the clone of a Jedi from the Clone Wars era who is kind of insane. And Luke doesn't know that. A clone of a Jedi? Yeah. He is a clone of a Jedi. Uh, Luke doesn't know that, but hears about a Jedi and seeks him out uh, for further training. Um, We'll talk about this later, but I kind of think we're beyond that level for Luke. Like, he's already starting a school. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he is seeking out more training at this point. So I don't really know that Sabayath needs to be in this story. He's also one of the just weirder pieces of the Thrawn trilogy. But he's more related to Luke and the Jedi than he 
So yeah, no, I don't see a character like that really fitting into where I think season three of Mandalorian is going to go. He he is related to Thrawn in some ways. Okay. Uh, like Thrawn seeks him out as well for uh, help in his own cloning aspirations. So there are multiple ways Sabayoth might appear in this overall story. I think it's really unlikely. I think that gives <laughs> it more of a chance to be in something like the Ahsoka series, sure. if anything. Yeah, that's on like, I really don't think Christopher Lloyd is going to play that character. Um, I just, I don't think they're going to pull Sabayoth into this. Again, like the Thrawn trilogy is great. I have very fond memories of it, but you know, there are some uh, things in it where I'm like, yeah, I hope they don't do that again. <laughs> like if Sabayoth comes back, then we're looking at a, another potential Luke situation like yeah. how far into the thrawn trilogy are we gonna go probably not that far dylan foster wants to know if the inquisitors were aware of the sith and if they had aspirations of becoming sith themselves uh yes and sometimes <laughs> so i was just looking back through the darth vader comics because you know the grand inquisitor and the inquisitors are going to be in the kenobi series which is still i'm really excited about uh and yeah there were uh some frames where vader meets uh, the Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor for the first time, and it definitely seems like he might one day get to be a Sith, or like that's what he thinks in his head. Yeah, the Inquisitors strike me as Sith light. Yeah. Like, it, aspirations is a good way of putting it. Like, they're kind of Sith in training, or at least, you know, they think they're Sith in training, and, you know, people like Vader and Palpatine are using them like Sith in training. And just kind of playing it by ear and kind of probably stringing them along Yes. with, you know, oh, maybe someday, maybe one day. It's like uh, it's like Guillermo's character in... <laughs> in What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a vampire has like their servant uh, that they keep around for a long time. They're familiar. They're familiar with aspirations of one day becoming a vampire themselves. Yeah, that, I think that's uh, a pretty good analogy. Uh, so, A, yeah, Palpatine has always got like a replacement apprentice in the wings. And in that comic, again, so the first time Vader and the Grand Inquisitor meet, they fight. Like Palpatine kind of maneuvered them into fighting and then stops them after a while. And Vader's like, if he had killed me, would you be training him instead and Palpatine just kind of laughs and it's like yeah that's he's constantly testing Vader mm -hmm. he's constantly throwing potential replacements in his face um I don't know that every single inquisitor wanted to become a Sith someday but I they definitely knew that they were working for Sith yeah and I just got to the part where Trilla was introduced in Fallen Order so she strikes me very much as someone who was you know kind of a sith in training yeah on her way there i think yeah probably inquisitors even if that wasn't their intent at first they could you know once you start to crave power you just want it more and more and more so it seems like eventually all of them would be competing for the top spot against vader but uh we don't know because they're all dead by the time of a new hope as far as we know <laughs> It's, it's interesting, though, like, I don't know what to call that group yet. Like, in Legends, people referred to that kind of Force user as just Dark Jedi, mm -hmm. which is not a good descriptor. Like, a Dark Jedi is not a Jedi. It's just 
a dark side force user, but mm-hmm. I feel like we need something to call them. Big baddies, little baddies. Mm, mini bosses. <laughs> Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment, but in this house, all I see is empty space. The sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors. I could get two ottomans in the living room, but then I'd need another sofa. I could tell people I'm into minimalism. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Red Duck 5 asks if the prophecy of the Chosen One could be part of the Kenobi series. You know, I hadn't thought of that. The The Chosen One prophecy is something I'm not crazy about. I'm just not big on, you know, the the prophecy trope, uh, the Chosen One trope. Like, it popped up in the Amazing Spider-Man movies as well, and I was like, okay, come on. Like, Peter Parker, you're the only one that could have become Spider-Man. I'm like, all right, give it a rest. <laughs> that spider could have bitten anyone. Right. <laughs> but it bit Peter, and so he got to be Spider-Man because he had special blood, just like Anakin. Like... <laughs> I'm not super into that trope, but I wouldn't mind it if they brought it up in Obi-Wan Kenobi because, you know, there's always potential for new stories to change my mind on things. I still like what the prophecy represents about putting, like, even more pressure on top of Anakin, that he's got the weight of all of this stuff on his shoulders. Uh, So if they explore that a little bit more, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, he's got a serious, like, savior complex because of it. Um, but yeah, this would be interesting if it did come up in Kenobi because it could be something for Kenobi and Force Ghost Qui-Gon Jinn to talk about. Mm -hmm. That's what they even proposed that in, uh, in the question. Yeah, that, that would be interesting, uh, just if that came up and, you know, we, we've got Obi-Wan yelling, you were the chosen one in Revenge of the Sith, so it could certainly come up again, but I don't think... We're going to see Kenobi talking to Vader about mm-hmm. Anakin being the chosen one. Yeah. I, I think that we could see it more in a sense of at the end of Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan believed that Anakin was the chosen one. By the time we get to Star Wars Rebels with Maul and everything, like he tells Maul that Luke is the chosen one as Maul is dying. So this might be about his belief shifting from yeah. Anakin and putting all of his hopes on Luke. It could tie into the whole like, uh, Obi-Wan once thought as you did. He might think there's still light. There's still a chance for the Chosen One to come back. And so this story could partially be him being like, nope, there's no hope for him. I'm mm-hmm. putting everything on Luke now. He gets all the pressure now. <laughs> Darth Marlborough wants to know what we would think of a Fallen Order sequel being entirely about a new cast and then in the third game, all the characters would converge into one story. Honestly, I'm kind of into that idea. It's uh, something that one of my favorite game franchises golden sun did <laughs> they only have three games in the series and i've only played two of them but the first game you play as four characters the second game you play as four other characters who were kind of enemies in the first game and then halfway through that game you all meet up and form like an eight person party it's so epic i loved it back in high school when i played it uh-huh. so something like that i think could be really really fun for the storytelling it also helps get around that idea that Cal, if we're still going to follow that story, like any other Metroid game, you lose all your powers at the start, uh, and then you gain them back throughout the game. You can't do that with Cal. You can't 
like have him lose force push and pull again. It just doesn't make sense that way. Mm-hmm. So introducing a new character uh, could kind of get around that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, is do we know that the model for these games is going to be a three game series? No. Okay. This is all nope. just hypothetical. Yeah. Because I'm going to assume that's not the case. So yeah, I don't think it is either. I, I just don't know that they've planned that far ahead for like a trilogy of games like that. I, I do really think that the second game is going to be the same characters. I think that's likely the case. I think the most probable thing we're going to find out at Celebration, fingers crossed, is Fallen Order 2 is about Cal again and the rest of the Mantis crew. And you're doing something else, and you'll unlock some new force powers, and you'll still have push and pull, etc. Maybe you'll play as Marin, and you can unlock uh, Sith, or not Sith, Night Sister magic powers. Mm -hmm. That would be cool. Would there be any... Because I feel silly because I should know this, but I'm currently playing the game for the first time, so could Cal be training Marin as a Jedi? And Maybe. teaching, like, slowly teaching her stuff so that you learn a lot of the same force powers, but from her perspective. Maybe. That'd but, be cool. I mean, it, it could really be anything. And it could also, even though I think we will most likely continue to follow Cal, we might jump over to another era. It could be a Clone Wars game, and it's just called Star Wars Jedi. The Clone Wars, or yeah. something else. Like, it doesn't have to follow Cal. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, too. Or, you know, a High Republic game would be cool. Sure. But, yeah, I think we're likely going to keep following the Mantis crew. I don't think we'll we'll do a whole separate cast of characters. But I did want to point out, you know, I don't dislike that concept because I thought it worked really well in Golden Sun. Sean Grogan asks if Darth Vader actually thought Obi-Wan had given Luke all his training in Return of the Jedi. So in Return of the Jedi... Vader is constantly like, Obi-Wan has taught you well. He's very, like, intent that Obi-Wan must have trained you. Uh, I do think that that was the intent in Return of the Jedi. Because I recently saw, I think it was uh, Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter, was talking about in the Return of the Jedi novelization, uh, the Emperor pries into Luke's mind and learns about Yoda. And he's like, who's that? I'll have to check up on that later. <laughs> like, he had no idea who Yoda was in uh, 1983. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, that changed in the prequels. But I, I think it's likely that Vader assumed that Ghost Obi-Wan kept on training Luke, or or maybe Luke had been trained his whole life. I, I guess Vader doesn't really know the details, so he just has to assume, like, well, I know you were with Obi-Wan, so... I guess he taught you everything he knew. Yeah, I'd be curious to to know like if he did think Luke had been training for his whole life or, you know, if he knew how short of a while he had actually trained to be a Jedi if he would be like more impressed <laughs> cuz yeah. Yeah, it wasn't long. <laughs> but yeah, or maybe he could just be bringing up Obi-Wan's name like this this would be a retcon. But he could be bringing Obi-Wan's name up just to, you know, jab at Luke a little bit and make him angry. Mm-hmm. Remember Obi-Wan, your temporary master that I killed? Like, he could be bringing up the name in that reason. Or bringing it up in, in the means of, like, this is how Obi-Wan failed me. He could fail you in the same ways. Yeah. 
There's a lot of things it could mean. (laughs) But in 1983, I think he genuinely did believe. I guess Obi-Wan did all the training. On to YouTube questions. The Midwesterner wants to know if Mace Windu could be the canon Joris Sabayath. Told you we'd be back to this. (laughs) Um, You know, I don't super hate that idea because we, you know, are always talking about could Mace Windu come back? Did he survive? Blah, blah, blah. And I don't want Mace to have survived the events of Revenge of the Sith. I think it's it's important for Anakin's downfall. I've talked about that a lot. But if this were a clone of Mace Windu, then you kind of get around that. I think that it's still a little too much. It's too far. Yeah. <laughs> that it's making that whole thing even more convoluted. It's like, it's not Mace, it's actually Mace. And mm-hmm. But... At least thematically, I'm like, I guess I can see it. The Emperor would have obviously had access to his body if he super wanted to clone a crazy Mace Windu. Yeah, I just, like, I think if in the new canon shows and stuff, if they wanted a character like Joris Sabayoth, I don't think they would take an existing character like Mace Windu and, like, pivot him, bring him back from the dead, first of all, sort of, with the clone thing. And pivot his character arc into this completely different thing. Uh, if if Mace Windu comes back, it's going to be like the big return of Mace Windu. Not, look, it's Mace Windu's clone. And he's up to something different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point. That it's like, okay, Samuel L. Jackson would be back, but not really Mace Windu as mm-hmm. we knew it. It would feel like, yeah, a if che- you're going to bring him cheap back. cheap excuse, yeah. Yeah, if you're going to bring him back. No half measures. Go all the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I do agree with that, where I'm like, I don't want Mace Windu to come back, but if you're going to do it, just go all in, mm-hmm. L- like you did with Maul. I mean, the dude got cut Give him robot legs. <laughs> Give him a whole robot body. <laughs> it's just the hand. Mace's hand <laughs> no. comes back, and it's a robot body. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just don't think that cloning characters is, is the way to go if you want to really really bring someone back oh but it, palpatine did have the hand yeah right or yeah. did the hand fall well, out of the window too i don't know <laughs> it, it it's somewhere he could have gotten it uh-huh. <laughs> it's there's a lot of questions to be answered if mm-hmm. clone mace comes back but there's a lot of questions to be answered if a uh, real mace comes back and yeah that that feels like an added level of goofiness that doesn't have to be there and like i said earlier I don't think we're at a point in the story or the timeline where Luke needs Sabayoth. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he would seek him out. I don't think Thrawn would need him. They, they could still write it that way. I don't fully... It's been a while since I've read uh, Heir to the Empire, but I don't really think Joris needs to be in this new version. Danilo A. Ferreira asks, What we think the Sith thought of the Nile in the High Republic? Wherever the Sith were at right. the time. <laughs> yeah, just two of them kind of hanging out, maybe on Exegol, like, you hearing about this? <laughs> yeah. I I think that they would probably respect the hustle. <laughs> they mm-hmm. would respect the um, damage they've done to the Jedi and the Republic. I bet they would be happy about it in a sense that, like, well, this will make our job a little easier mm-hmm. in a few hundred years. Yeah, I see them wherever they are kind of behind the scenes thinking like oh oh nice (laughs) but they're they're helping us right along but i also think that if it got too far 
then they might be like, okay, we got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Maul building up the Shadow collect- Collective and then Palpatine is like, I'll let you do that for a while, but now, okay, now you've become a rival and I'm coming over and I'm going to kill your brother and zap you. <laughs> yeah. I think that they would want to know who's in charge and then they would potentially be like, okay, how can we use this to our, our advantage and can we like recruit them to be our foot soldiers? Mm. Yeah, like, I don't want the Sith to be a major part of the High Republic because they're supposed to be gone, and I don't really want them to be, like, puppeteering the the Nile. I kind of want them to be their own thing. But I wouldn't mind if in Phase 3 we get just a look, a little look at the Sith of that time being like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> just, like, kick back with popcorn. They're just like, yeah. wow. You seeing this? They're just like, we're hard at work in the planning phase still. Uh-huh. We're in pre-production of our takeover of the galaxy and our big return. <laughs> there were just a couple of slacker Sith in there that, that just dragged their feet and took their time until Plagueis and Palpatine came along and they were like, let's kick things into high gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think they would appreciate just the fact that there are more people in the galaxy that see the Jedi, you know, the way that they see them. And they're just like, those Jedi are just a big nuisance to us. And yeah, I think respecting their the hustle is a good way to put it. The RM Network wants to know who we think the central threat of phase two of the High Republic will be. Good question. And I mean, I don't think it'll be the Nile, I, clearly. I do think the Nile will have a presence. I think we'll learn a little bit more about Markeon's, uh family father maybe well probably grandmother more than father but Mm. some some ancestor but other than that i'm not sure yeah this this is a head scratcher (laughs) uh this will be interesting because i I have a couple of theories but i don't know we could see a lot more of like the political side of things from that era and you know i think we talked about this before, but we're probably going to be seeing a lot more of the Santecas and the the, the big power families at mm. the time and how kind of like they're aff- affecting things going on in the Republic. So we know about Dalna. We know something bad happened at that planet. I- I'm wondering if there is going to be a central threat. I think we're definitely going to learn more about uh, the Nameless. Yeah. It-, it sounds, I mean, Yoda basically was like, we got to look to our past to figure out what's going on here. So I wonder if there there will be a big threat that we've never heard of before, and then it got buried by the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Because that sounds like what happened to Dalna. Like, something bad happened on Dalna, and now in the current age of the High Republic, Jedi aren't able to find out what. Like, it's hidden away in the Jedi archives. Someone doesn't want anyone to know what happened there yeah so what maybe the jedi in a sense will be (laughs) the central threat that's more along the lines of what i think it's gonna be because i think yeah we'll definitely learn more about the nameless potentially we could learn you know at one time maybe the jedi were trying to cultivate a relationship with the nameless uh, and like work with them and like something crazy happened and they got turned you know super dark side and the jedi had to cover it all up because it was kind of their fault to begin with oh 
Okay. So in Master and Apprentice, I think it was Master and Apprentice, there was a prophecy about the sins done to the nameless. So yeah, it's if the, the, sins Jedi, of the Jedi. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I think a lot. that's that, that's just my theory, but it's a working theory, and I think that might be where we're headed. I think that's a really great theory. That I, I was just going to suggest that you know it's supposed to be a thousand years of peace since the Republic started until the Clone Wars, and I wonder if the Jedi and the Republic have both been like it's like I mean we're seeing this conflict with the Nile, and it's like. All right, so it's not really been a thousand years of peace, but maybe we keep seeing the Jedi like cover some stuff up. Mm-hmm. Be like, nope, it's peaceful here. It's oh, peaceful. Yeah, it's Don't th- you worry. We've had a thousand years of peace, uh, according to our records. <laughs> yeah, that Nile thing wasn't such a big deal. We're cover it up. Yeah, because like we see how easily you can hide an entire planet in the archives. Uh, <laughs> and just delete it. <laughs> yeah, in episode two with Camino, so easily could be done with a lot of other stuff yeah and that's just another cool way for the writers uh to kind of like put the jedi in the center of the conflict and and show you know the really bad side of them yeah i like the idea that the the jedi would be somehow responsible for creating the nameless and creating their own problems Mm -hmm. and then not knowing how to solve it because their predecessors covered it all up yep callum samuel asks how did Obi-Wan get his house? <laughs> Thought it was a fun little question. And but it's an interesting one because we've seen in the trailer and in the the images released for Obi-Wan Kenobi that he is apparently living in a cave. So Which I, you I, said you thought it was under his house. I just said it might be. I, I actually don't think it is. I think that they're suggesting he's living in a cave. Okay. Maybe it's his home away from home where he goes to spy on the Lars family. But I kind of like the idea that he is literally living in a cave with nothing but the essentials. He's got his pillow and his blanket. and <laughs> His he's... Sudoku book that I know yeah. he's got. No, no Sudoku book. I, like, I'm saying he thinks he deserves nothing. He <laughs> failed the galaxy, so he's going to punish himself by living in the cave with no Sudoku, no okay. Wordle, no Hurdle, none okay. of that. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I think that that's where he's living. Um, we could see then after the Kenobi series, you know, after he tries to get back in touch with Vader, maybe tries to pull Vader slash Anakin back to the light. And so after all of that, he's like, all right, I'm going back to Tatooine for good now. I really got to step it up. We see him apply for a loan, <laughs> uh, you know, go. Th- he's got to pay a mortgage just like everybody else. So. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think you're that far off. I don't think we're going to see the technicalities, <laughs> but I think that we could see him learn and grow and forgive himself and be like, you know what? I don't deserve to live in a cave. I deserve some comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just my fault. Anakin made choices as well. So then he gets the house. Um, I, I did say the thing about it being under the hut because I think that was something suggested in the original Star Wars. Like, he was going to live in a cave, and then they changed it for production reasons, and he lived in a house. Uh, So I was thinking maybe the cave is a nod to that. But, yeah, I think in Legends, the house was just abandoned. It was, like, in a a bad part of Tatooine. I guess an especially bad part of Tatooine. (laughs) And so he just kind of took it, and everyone was like, okay, that's fine. Or maybe he won it in a 
you know, a rascally game of sabacc or something. And he was using the force to yeah. <laughs> to get his dream home uh, out on the Junlin Waste. He he overheard a conversation of a guy trying to sell his house at the cantina and then mind tricked him to sell it to him. Oh, poor guy. For really cheap. <laughs> That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.